Welcome to Pathway Church Online. We're honored you tuned in today. It's our purpose to help each person believe in Jesus, belong to a church family, become a fully devoted follower of Christ, and build God's kingdom. We believe today's message will help you do just that. It will change your life if you listen and apply it. For more information about Pathway Church, please visit www.pathwaychurchok.com. Now, let's go together and hear today's message. This dog named Maggie, and Maggie is like the sweetest little mini golden doodle and Maggie gets super excited whenever you get home. Whenever you're not at home, she's excited. Our blinds at the front of our house show that she's more active when we're gone when, than whenever we're there. Anybody have some blinds like that in your house that may be broken, may be chewed up, may be torn, may be completely ripped off? Anybody else? No, just me? Okay, whatever. All right. Oh, thanks, Cindy. Um, but Maggie loves... Have you guys seen the Facebook video I put of Maggie and our uh, little Matthew, bouncing, he's bouncing on this little ball, and Maggie comes and runs and just pounces in, <laughs> and Matthew splat right on the ground, Maggie splats on the ground, and Maggie jumps up and goes for his jugular, and it's like, they just, they just have this thing where Ma- Maggie loves playing with Matthew, Maggie loves chasing Abigail, they just have so much fun, but Maggie has a problem, and I think Maggie's a lot like some of your all's dogs, they, they think they deserve to be in the bed with us. And Maggie, no joke, ask her. She's a truthful one of our relationship. She will tell you you, her favorite spot is putting her head on our pillow and then laying her body out like a person. And she will just lay there. If Adrian's in bed, she doesn't want to lay next to her. She comes and lays on top of her head and just lays there. Maggie is the sweetest dog in the world, but Maggie is misunderstood in her role in the assignment that she's created for. <laughs> Maggie thinks that her dogness is more humanness. And we all the time tell her, you're not a human. You don't have the right to sleep on this bed. You go in your kennel where you belong. And she gets up close to the table and she tries to eat. And and she always goes over to Matthew. Nobody else at the dinner table. She knows who's handing her the food, just like her papa. All the dogs, all the kids know, go around papa. Don't have any candy. Papa's here you go. Here you go. He's got these little side hustles. The, the, The dog knows who to go to to get what the dog wants. So in all reality, we tell this dog every day, which don't get mad at me because I know you do the same thing. You talk to your dog and you think it's listening, you think it's understanding what you say. Don't tell me you don't because you're crazy, you're lying, you're not telling me the truth. I know you do because we all do it. And every day we tell Maggie, you're not a human. You're, you are not one of us. You will not lord over this house. This is my house. You know? You know what I'm saying? So we could say it this way. Maggie has what we call an identity crisis. She thinks she's something that she's not. Do you know anybody that has an identity crisis? Somebody, maybe your dog, maybe your cat, maybe you got a gerbil. I, I don't know what kind of animal you like, but you've got some sort of animal or something that isn't quite what you think it should be, and you know what it is, but they don't understand what it is. Um, when Abigail was born, from the time we knew that we were going to have a girl, we knew her name was going to be Abigail. With, I, I mean, it was literally, you're going to have a girl. Oh, let's call her Abigail. Like, we knew, like, right from the get-go, it was never a doubt, never a question. Abigail, Abigail, Abigail. Not Abby, not 
Ab- whatever, it's, it's, her name's Abigail. And that's just how it been. That's how, just how it was. But Matthew, we didn't have a clue. We're like, hey, you're having a boy. We're like, oh, great. Why don't you come up with names? And little Miss Lister over here, she had 150 names on the list. We're going through all. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Why would you call your kid that? Nope, nope, nope. What? No, that's... We're just going to throw this list away, start a whole new list. So we kept making all these new lists. And we are literally standing there in the hospital. This doctor's delivering this baby. And the doctor's like, well, what are you going to name this boy? And I'm like, we, we don't know yet. But one thing I didn't say to the doctor was, hey, doc, uh, you've done this a bunch. Uh, you know what you're doing here. You've kind of got the hang of all this. So um, why don't you just pick a name for my child? I, I, I didn't do that. Because it's my privilege as his parent to be able to name my child. Well, fast forward to the next day. And we're still in the hospital. They come. They give us all the paperwork. We've signed it. We've done everything. And they're basically trying to kick us out. And we're like, we can't kick you guys out until you have a name. (laughs) We don't know. Like, we had narrowed down to two names, but they just didn't feel right. Like, they just good names, but just not his name. And since I'm the one telling the story, I'm going to take credit for it because I don't really remember. But I think I looked over to Adrienne and said, how about we name him Matthew Taylor? And she just looked at me. She's like, that's it. Shush, oh now. Uh, okay, so the, the long list that we threw out originally, <laughs> it was on this list in Matthew Taylor, and we decided then and there that his name was going to be Matthew. And, and, and we love that name. And the, the, the truth of it is, the older Matthew gets, the older Abigail gets, they're going to be given a lot of names. They're going to be told a lot of things. There's going to be a lot of things spoken into their lives, both good and bad. They're going to be told that they're losers. They're going to be told that they're not as capable as some people. They are going to be told a lot of things. But one thing that I constantly do is I don't put them to bed a lot. Adrienne does that most of the time. But whenever I do, I pray over them. I look at them straight in the face. I say, I'm so proud of you. My dad got this started in our family. We, we are continuing the tradition. My brothers continue the, the, the tradition. You're a Chapman champion. This is who you are. I'm speaking into their lives. They don't even understand. They're too young to get it. But I am speaking what I want their life to look like without them even knowing that's what I'm doing. I tell them, hey, Matthew, Abigail, you're going to live a blessed life. As long as you put God first, I'm putting these values on the inside of them now because I want them to know if they walk away from the blessing that God has for them, it's not because of me. It's not because of her. It's because they walked out of the blessing that God had for I'm putting some things in them now at the very early stages that they don't even have a clue of what I'm doing. But I tell them all the time, you are valued. You are important. And as long as you're in my house. Everything's going to be okay. Dad's got this. You're, you're protected. You're, you're going to be sheltered enough. You, I got your back, dude. Abigail, I got your back. You, you just tell me. That kid looked at you funny at school. You tell me. We're going to take care of him after school. I don't care. If I, I'll beat up a five-year-old. I don't care. I'll go out there and deal with it. I am going to take care of this. But 
what happens is the older they get, and I'm starting to realize this, it happens a lot sooner than I thought it was going to, is an identity crisis begins to form because at school they're told a lot of things. Teachers tell them a lot of things. Not even things that I necessarily, good or bad, they're just, they're just so influenced by so many different things. Their friend, one of Matthew's favorite things to walk around our house now, and I probably shouldn't say this, is he loves to say toot. And so we're like, we don't talk like this in our house. And he walks around saying, you tooted, you tooted, ha, ha, ha. You, where did you hear that? And he says the kid's name. I'm like, where'd that kid at? Bring that kid back over to me. He is being influenced by the kids around him, and he doesn't even realize that there's an influence taking place. And the older he gets, the more the influences take place. The more people speak into his life, good and bad, and Abigail, and Adrian, and myself. And I think if we were willing to look and talk to each and every one of you, all of us would have some sort of story that whenever you look back at your growing up, whenever you look back... A, a, a maturing in your age, there were people in your life that spoke against the calling that God had for you. It may have not been directly in those words, but in some form or fashion, negative words have been spoken over you. You're not good enough. There's a reason why there's a short bus. There's a reason why you're not capable of doing certain. You're not talented enough. You're not pretty enough. You don't look good enough in clothes. And we all hear these things, and then over a period of time, without us knowing, realizing, or even understanding it, it begins to take root in us. And the older we get, the more we come to this place where we have what we know as an identity crisis. Who am I? There's a story in the Bible that we're going to talk about for the next 10 minutes. I'm going to run all over this story in every different which way. I'm doing it on purpose because I want you to get it. This is, you're, you're going to see me probably yelling and screaming a little bit. I'll probably jump, me and Josh can start running laps around here. The, 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 this story is so impactful as I was reading it, just it began to unfold in front of me. And I want to show you this story about a man named Simon. Simon is a fisherman, and Simon is actually a very good fisherman. Simon probably owns his own company, and if he's anything like Josh, he's probably called Simon's Fishing Co. Like, wouldn't that be your, like, that'd be your name, like Josh Fishing Co.? Like, he, he just, there, he, he's this kind of cool guy, been a fisherman his whole life. He knows how to fish. He's good at fishing. And in fact, this is what Simon's boat would have looked like. Um, that is not actually his boat, but that is a replica. Of, I didn't put the picture in there. They have a boat, the Jesus boat. It, it's amazing. I'll, I'll show you guys that next week. It's really cool. Um, but this is what Simon's boat would have looked like. And, and Simon was a great businessman. Uh, he, he owned his own boat and possibly had uh, several boats, possibly had several crews because it, the Bible talks about it was him and his other people were working together and we knew that he was the owner so he had people working for him and um, this expert of fishing was fishing one day and all day long they didn't really catch anything. They were out doing their thing and just didn't have one of those days where it worked out for them. 
And as they were back on the shore, they would clean their nets before the next day or before the night crew would go out and fish. And while they were cleaning their nets, they heard this guy named Jesus begin to speak. And he was talking on the shore amongst a group of people. And Simon, as he was cleaning his nets, began to listen to Jesus. And then after a few minutes, we don't know how long, Jesus actually came over to Simon and said, Simon, I'm going to get in your boat. Let's push this boat out a little ways and let's drop your nets over here. And you've got to think of this story in a little bit different way because here is Simon who is a professional fish catcher. This is what he does every day. He catches fish. He's good at it. He's done it his entire life. And then you have Jesus who they really don't know who he is yet, but they do know that he is the carpenter's son, that he is a woodworker. Those aren't even close to being the same trades. You've got a professional fisherman and you've got a professional woodworker, and the woodworker is telling the fisherman, hey, go out over here and cast your nets because something's going to happen. That would be like, I don't know, uh, some of you, most of you may know this, I own a cleaning company, and I'm in a lot of houses every week, and you would be amazed how many people, whenever I'm walking through their house, they are telling me how to do my job. You know, like they're telling me, hey, these stains, that's going to come out easy. I know that's going to be great. And this one probably won't come out. And, and these are going to be great. And, and there's no other stains in here. I'm like, well, how come there's seven dog stains, right? Well, no, no, that, that, I don't know what that's for. And they, they have all these whatevers. And, and I'm sitting here thinking, if you knew how to do it, then why did you call me? Terrence hates whenever um, he gets a FaceTime phone call from me. Because more than likely that means I have unplugged something and pulled out wires and I can't remember or figure out how to get them put back. So I have to FaceTime the guy who owns an electric shop and he just says, hey, you messed it up so bad, I'm just going to come over there or I'm going to send one of my guys over. It, why, it, why am I the amateur trying to do what only a professional can do? Last summer I had this idea of putting... Um, turf in my backyard and talk to Josh about it. And the more I listen to Josh, who owns his turf installation company, I realize I don't have the equipment, the knowledge, the know-how. I don't know anything about it. And I came to the conclusion he, because he knew what he was talking about, could come and lay turf at my house way better, way faster. It would actually stay put better than no matter what I could do to get it there. Because he's a professional in that area, he knows how to do it. He knows the tricks. He knows the little things that most people don't know. Terrence is a professional electrician. He knows the things I, I, that I don't know. I'm a professional carpet cleaner, restoration guy. There's things I know. I was on a flood this week and talking to other people. The, the house is flood. What do I do? There's water coming into the wall. Hey, we got this covered. No, but there are things that I know how to do because... I'm a professional in that area. So think about it. Why would, uh, why would Randy call me and say, hey, I got a flood going on at my house, but I know how to take care of this? He's calling me because he doesn't know how to do the job that needs to get done. 
So think of that aspect whenever you've got a professional fish catcher and a professional woodworker. The amateur who doesn't know how to catch fish is telling the professional fish catcher how to catch fish. Why in the world would a professional listen to someone who hasn't done it? Are you following this? It doesn't make sense, but the, Simon, the story goes like this. Simon said, Jesus, if you tell me to cast my nets, then I will do it. You see, right there, something began to shift in Simon's life. Out of obedience, a blessing could come. We're going to talk on that next week because that's, not, that, that, that's going to be a good thought. Remember, write that one down. I don't have that one anymore. But what happens in the story is Simon cast his nets out. And most of you know the story. They, they pushed away. They cast the nets out. They were able to catch a load of fish that began to tear the nets. It, they had to call the other guys to come help. If you want to know the story in detail, go to Luke chapter 4. All right. You know where we're at now? At this point in the Bible story, Simon is Simon the fisherman. But here in just a few moments, Jesus will ask Simon to come and follow him to fish for people. Simon will decide to follow Jesus as one of his 12 disciples. Then a little while later, Simon will have a name change by Jesus. Jesus looks at Simon and says, you are now to be called Peter, which means rock. Why was there a name change? Because Jesus had to give Simon a new identity. Jesus wanted, listen to this, wanted Simon to see himself the way that Jesus saw him. Not the way that Simon saw himself. For every single one of us, there is going to have to be an identity that needs to be changed. That we no longer see ourselves the way that we see ourselves, but we see ourselves the way that Jesus sees ourselves. All right, we're going to get rocking. Are you ready? Here's the part of the story I want you to understand. At this point in the story of Simon letting down the nets, Jesus knows that Simon is still Simon the fish guy. But Jesus sees beyond Simon. Jesus is able to look beyond the surface of the water to see below. When Jesus looks below the water, he knows there's a massive amount of fish. But when Jesus looked at Simon, he knew there was more to Simon than just a fisherman. He knew there was more to Simon than just a guy who knew how to fish. At this point, Simon began to have a revelation. When Jesus asked him to throw his nets out, Simon realized that Jesus could see something beyond the surface. When Jesus talked to Simon, he was talking to two different people. Follow me on this. I just saw some of your eyes twitch. Okay, follow me on this. When he was talking to Simon, he was also speaking in to what Simon was going to become, which we know as Peter, the rock of the church. In every one of us, you have a Simon and you have a Peter. There is a Simon in you that causes you to doubt. There's no fish over there. There's a Peter in you 
that causes you to throw the nets. You're not getting it yet. You're not getting it yet. We're going to get running here in a minute. There's a Simon in you that causes you to not be sure of the calling of God upon your life. But there's a Peter in you that wants to step out of the boat. There's a Simon in you that tells you you're not good enough. You're too ugly. You're not experienced. You don't have what it takes. There's a Peter in you when no one's looking, no one's around, you look at the mirror and say, I got this. I can become that. I can do this. But when you get to the place where it's time to do it, the Simon in you pops his head up and says, I can't do this. I got to retreat. Every Sunday when we come together, we have this theme for the year, grow together. Whenever we grow together in our worship, when we grow together in our relationships, in our walk with God, in our, in our countenance with one another, we're pulling out the Peter in you. There's a reason why we say come to church. It's not because we want more feet in the seats. I was going to say another word, but I didn't say that. We, we, we don't want, it's not because we just want more people here. It's because there's a Simon in you, and we've got to pull out the Peter in you because there's a Peter that's the rock of the church, a Peter that prayed for people and saw miracles. There's a Peter that was martyred. There was a Peter that became absolutely powerful, the kingdom of God. But Peter could only become Peter whenever the Simon in him was a change to Peter. Whenever you come to church, what are we doing? We're pulling out the Peter in you. In this text in the Bible, in Luke chapter 4, what I saw was Simon and Peter, both one person. Are you following on me? They were both in the boat. But only Jesus could see the results of Peter when Simon was standing in front of him. Hmm. Simon couldn't see himself in any other way but a fisherman. There was an identity crisis. There are two people in your boat. When you get up on Sunday morning, there are two people in your boat. Am I going to go to church, Peter, or am I going to stay home and sleep, Simon? <laughs> there are two people in your boat whenever you're driving down the road and the guy cuts you off and you want to tell him where you think he should go. Is the Simon going to come out of you or is the Peter going to come out of you? <laughs> There are two people whenever you are in a business transaction and only you know the true integrity of what the transaction looks like. But you know you can twist it and the other person won't know. Is the Simon going to pull up or is the Peter going to pull up? Remember that old song, will the real Slim Shady stand up? <laughs> will the real... <laughs> will, will the real Peter stand up? Or is the Simon going to come out of you? Peter the preacher was the rock of the church. Peter the preacher was the one who would lead thousands to Christ. Pre Peter the preacher was the one...
I would face so many trials and overcome them. Peter was martyred. Peter went through a lot of bad stuff. But Peter was known as the rock of the church. And here, 2,000 years later, we're talking about the significant impact that Peter was because he had an identity crisis that changed that said, I am no longer a guy who fishes. I am a professional fisherman. But at the same time, I am Peter, the anointed one. I am Peter, the rock of the church. I am Peter... The one who walks in the call of God and my purpose in life. You see, Simon thought he was a fisherman, but Jesus saw beyond the surface. In this series on relationships, from this day forward is what we've called this. I want you to understand that you have to have the right relationship with myself. You have to have the right relationship with yourself. There is a Peter in each and every one of you. The same Terrence that is a professional electrician is the same Terrence that as he does his purpose can lead people to Christ. There's the same Randy that keeps people safe is the same Randy that can fulfill his purpose and share hope with people. There's a Simon in you, but there's a Peter trying to come out. And we limit the Peter in us because we are unsure, because we have an identity crisis, because we want Simon to come out, because it's a lot easier being a fisherman. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.